Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. Oh, it's so good to see you today. Today we're going to finish up this series on tough choices, and we're going to have a message on how to hear from God, how to hear from God. How important is it in the day and age in which we live to hear from God? I mean, all the updates, all the decisions, all the tough choices in front of us, all the things that we have to do, all the decisions we have to make uh, as a parent or as a young person, in our families, in our workplaces, uh, decisions that uh, we're reviewing and seeing and how they affect us at a local level, a state level, national level, what's happening in the world. Can you imagine going at it all alone? Can you imagine going through this life without a bigger window of what's happening? Can you imagine having to make decisions in this day without any direction from God? And we're living in a day and a time and an age when we need to be uh, listening to God. There are so many tough choices. There are so many uh, choices of voices. Choices of voices. Like so many, so many voices that can mislead us if we're not careful, uh, get us on a wild goose chase if we're not careful. So many voices that can deceive us and draw us away and get us out of our peace and move us out of God's peace and away from his voice. So many things that we make decisions about that when, when we don't hear from God in those decisions, the decisions then start making us. And we need to hear from God in our life. And for many, uh, that's a very scary thought. Uh, or even it's a point of frustration. And we've developed different myths. And I was just thinking this week about maybe misconceptions about God. Uh, misconceptions I've had or maybe even mischaracterizations of how God communicates. Um, just different characterizations. I think some maybe would characterize God's voice as a mumbling God, let's put that up there, the mumbling God. Anybody have a child who mumbles to them? And uh, man, I don't know how many times I'm like, buddy, this seems like it's the most important thing in the world, most important thing in the universe that's ever happened. If you could just like, just say what you want, like I'll do whatever you want. Just tell me, just tell me what it is. I just can't, I can't make it out. And Maybe another mischaracterization is the texting God. Do uh, you have anybody that, like, uh, you, you don't want to talk to them, but you don't mind texting them? In fact, maybe you hope, like, man, if we could work this out over a text, that would be much better than having to have a, a phone call. Like, you're leaving me all up here alone on this one. Like, nobody's like, yeah, there's some people like it, just rather, and maybe God is like that, that, uh, we, we don't want to talk to God, but we wouldn't mind texting God, but we want a direct answer. We don't want the dot, dot, dot to come up. We don't want to have any time to wait. We just want a direct answer from God, and if we didn't get the answer, then I'm gone. Or there's the quiet talker God. Uh, ever been around a quiet talker? That's a long lunch with a quiet talker, isn't it? Or you wish you could just kind of like, is there a volume knob somewhere that I could turn up just a little bit? or the heart of hearing God, and this is the, the idea that 
Like the only way God could hear us is if we increase the volume. Like he's up there being like, what? Huh? And, and we're down here just like banging pots and pans. Please, like, please. And he's like, huh? What? Some people would characterize God as confused, the confused God. Uh, you know, we'll say, should I do this? And then we do it. It seems like, well, okay, now I did it. Has he changed his mind? And then there's uh, the one that I think a lot of us expect or would like to hear from God or like to have from God, and that's the bullhorn God uh, who's just going to step in and interrupt us at some point in our day and our life and, and just uh, single us out and send us on a mission. So we're just there and it's, it's you there in the red shirt. Me? Yes, you at Aldi next to the avocados. It's time to go to Africa. Go to Africa now. You are on mission. Drop everything and leave for Africa. And that's, we would love that, right? I mean, I think, I mean, we would, we want, we're waiting around for a bullhorn God to just speak in, interrupt us, single us out and say, go here, do this. And we end up waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, God is leading. You can hear and obey. He has a clear voice. He has a sound that's different than anything. And my hope, my hope is to be positioned and prepared to hear from God. My hope is to lead a church that's positioned and prepared to hear from God. Uh, let's look at, at why we don't hear God clearly, though. And the truth is God is leading uh, but there are a lot of other things that are happening. There's what I, I call, I put them in your notes as this, as weapons of mass distraction. And the truth is God is leading, and, but there are distractions. There could be many of these. I gave you two today. You may want to brainstorm or think up more that affect your life. But the first one is competing voices. In other words, God could be yelling at you, but if there's too much noise, you won't hear it. If you've ever been in a loud football stadium, if you've ever been at Arrowhead when it's packed out and loud, my goodness, you can't hear uh, two people over from you. But amazingly, when that stadium is empty, you can hear a person talking at a normal volume from across the field. Because of that shape, it's projecting all those waves to your ears and you could have, carry a conversation across the stadium with two people. But when there's so many competing voices, you can barely hear the person next to you. Maybe you've experienced that at home uh, where um, you're on one side of the house or on another, like sometimes I'll be down in the garage and the family's upstairs and they have the TV going, the air conditioner's uh, running, cars are going by, and I hear from upstairs someone uh, telling me, uh, they're, they're yelling at me, now, refrigerator, hurry it's like what in the world is going on and and you say can I come closer can you come closer so I can hear you better and you have to move closer so you can hear better this is all about getting closer to God so that we can hear him better so many barriers distractions boundaries that we have to break down so many competing voices things wanting our attention our affection our focus Jesus you read through the Gospels, he's often reaching out to people. Often reaching out to people, but they're too distracted. Uh, 
Luke 14, 18 through 20, he's reaching out to people, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please, please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. So sorry, God of the universe. Uh, I've got five yoke of oxen and, and God, I mean, they miss the God of the universe and the invitation in front of them. You'll have to please excuse me. And still another said, well, I just got married. I have this other relationship that's a priority, so I can't come. And there's always a reason because of so much going on and so many competing voices. Here's the challenge. What would it look like to think through some of the, the competition to God? And if you can't eliminate it, uh, at least restrict it. I mean, we're spending 53 hours a week on some type of screen, which is the average right now, outside of workplace activity. I mean, God just barely has a chance to, to break through. And we're gonna have to focus on him if we're going to hear him. He's not just going to out yell everything else. To hear God's voice, you have to turn down the world's volume. Here's another weapon of mass distraction that's keeping us from God, and that is the unprepared heart. If you're taking notes, write that in. Jesus would say, you know, I'm speaking a lot more than you think I am, but you don't think I am because you haven't prepared. And we're in control of getting our heart ready. I think it's good even when you come to church, like to prepare your heart, to say, I'm going to be gracious with others. And uh, I want to be gracious and, and open. And God, uh, I want it to be good soil here to receive something from you today. And you might be familiar with the sower and the seed where Jesus is giving a parable. He says, I'm throwing good word out there, throwing good seed out there. But it's, some of it's landing on rocky ground. In Matthew 13, 19, he says, when anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. So I could take good fertile seed, throw it down on the stage, you come back next week, next year, 10 years from now, it's just going to have remained on the surface because of the ground. I could take that same seed, throw it in good fertile soil, you come back in one week, you would see a result from that. Says, and so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. When it just stayed on the surface, the enemy could pluck it out of their heart. It's easier to pluck it out of their heart if their heart isn't ready. But his voice becomes clear the more you've prepared the environment. So what do you do to prepare the environment? Second Corinthians seven one says, let's just make a, a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us both within so that's our heart that's our attitude that's our mind that's our thoughts and without so that's all the competing voices that's everything out there that's trying to find a way in let's make a clean break with everything that defiles us within or distracts us without let's make our entire lives let's make it fertile soil for the word of God let's make it fit and holy temples for the worship of God for the worship of God let's get my heart right let's get in a right relationship with these things so that I can hear uh, from God it's time to come back to God and say I want you to be the leading voice in my life 
and to choose his voice. To say, God, I want to hear from you again. Uh, there's so many places in scripture that we could go to uh, for this or places that we have been. I, in this specific sermon, I want to show you a story about uh, one who could hear from God and one who could not. And it's in 1 Samuel. It's the account of Samuel and Eli. Samuel was young. Eli was old. And Eli in the Bible was a Jewish priest living in the days of the judges and serving at the tabernacle. Eli had two sons. Uh, those two sons uh, did despicable things that profaned the, ta the tabernacle. And many people knew about it. And when Eli got word of it and he heard about it, he rebuked his sons, uh, but he didn't make them stop and they didn't stop. And it hurt the relationship with God and, and it damaged what was going on there. Uh, but God raised up a boy named Samuel. He's a young boy who was dedicated to the tabernacle. And the young Samuel lived in the tabernacle under the tutelage, under the care of Eli. And in this moment, we see here Samuel is a young, uh, young teenager, maybe 12 years old. And we pick up there, 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Follow along in your notes or on the screen or in your Bible. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under a mentor, another prophet, Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. So it could have been that God was still speaking, uh, but no one was positioned in their life to where they could, they could hear his leading. Or it, it could be that no one had prepared their heart, no one was uh, living in a way uh, that God would lead them, and there were not many visions. But one night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Now I want you to watch where Samuel was. I've underlined or highlighted where he is. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, uh, here I am, you called me? But Eli said, no, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he's hearing God, but he didn't know what to do with it yet. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. Like, if you leave with nothing else today, friend, but a simple prayer to pray. This is a picture, sentence, a statement of a prepared environment. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Like, speak, Lord, I, I will obey. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as all, at all the other times, 
Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. He says, I'm going to show you what it looks like to hear my voice. Okay, I see three things in, in this text that give us the inclination. It gives us the ideas of how to create an environment to hear from God. Let me give it to you out of the text here. God is leading, and God will lead, number one, as we read his word. Where am I, where am I getting that? Well, it shows us where Samuel was. It's no accident that uh, scripture would take time to point out where Samuel was and what's happening there. Remember, he was lying by the lamp. The, the Bible says what the lamp is. Read this out loud with me. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The, the Bible is, is not here only for historical record. Like these are historical documents, and they hold up to textual criticism as historical documents. But they're not only there for that. There, there's great principles in here, but there's not only, that's not only why the word of God is here. It will illuminate. It will come to life in your life. You read it, you, maybe you say, well, I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, keep reading it. It's alive. It will come alive to you. Now, I didn't want to just have a point here that just said, like, read your Bible more, and then we just move on. Like, well, yeah, duh, that's what I'd love to do. That's why I'm at church, everything else. So I just wanted to give you a couple different resources, a couple good directions maybe to take uh, right now today. Uh, of course, we just finished up two, week, two weeks on the Bible in foundations uh, but a resource that's been helpful anyone I've given it to they've come back and said this was very helpful it's been around a little while now it's becoming a classic it's 30 days to understanding the Bible and it's not really a book you just sit down and read through it's actually a workbook uh, unlock the scriptures in 15 minutes a day and it, it starts out with the geography of the Bible like so much of the Bible has to do with geography of certain places that obviously matter to God and matter to people and how does this all work through and why does it matter uh, where these are and how do I make sense of the geography here and it moves into how the Bible's organized and why it's put that way and so that you could go to any part of scripture and you'd look in and you would know how God's interacting with his people at that time and why and uh, my encouragement would, to you would be that uh, if you've got a kid, like fifth grade or older, like just make this part of uh, their training from you. Take 30 days, maybe over the holidays or over summer or at some point, and go through this. Go through this with them. Uh, I've heard from seminary teachers that this is powerful and they recommend it. Uh, theologians who say, man, this is just right on and a great exercise to go through. To take a month and uh, more acquaint yourself with those things. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I've, I've got all that, I understand the Bible, but maybe it's been a while since you've really opened it up to a place and dove in. Like if you were to sit down with your Bible today, not sure exactly where you'd open it up to. And so here would be my encouragement, is next week we're starting a new series I am thrilled about. We're calling it Living Hope. It's going to be a study in the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. And uh, it's got five chapters and maybe you just sit down this week and say, to prepare for this series, I'm going to read through 
uh, this letter from Peter called the book of First Peter. And I- I'm thrilled about this series because uh, there's just been so much in the last weeks that as we put this series together, so many amazing things that have affirmed that this is where we need to be right now. And I love it when God does that. I love that when that happens, that when we move into a time that, man, God is so clearly saying, I want you to be living in this book right now, studying this. As you read this letter that Peter wrote thousands of years ago, it's like, my goodness, this, it's like this was written for me. Oh, hello, I guess it was. Like, God preserved it for me. It's written for me. And you're, well, you're gonna love this time. It's so relevant for our life and the church today. God speaks as we read his word. Number two, God speaks, if you're taking notes, as we cultivate his presence. And that may be a, like, that's churchy sounding, right? Uh, or cultivate his presence. But that's what the ark of God was. Uh, it says Samuel was by the ark. Now today, what, if I were to ask you, what do you know about the ark of the covenant or the ark of God? Uh, it's amazing uh, how many people, what they know about the ark of God, they learn from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Uh, which is great, it's a great movie. Uh, but uh, here's what the ark was. It was a box that housed the Ten Commandments. And on top of it, it had two angels uh, with their wings pointing in at each other, covering their eyes, and it created this spot on the top of the ark that was the mer- called the mercy seat. And in the Old Testament, for a time, this is where the manifest presence of God was. With the ark came a cloud by day, fire by night. And you could physically see the presence of God over that box, that place where God's presence dwelt. So as a sign of his covenant with his people, the Israelites made a box according to God's own design to place the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments. And this box or chest was called an ark. It was overlaid with gold. The ark was to be in the inner sanctum of the tabernacle, later the inner sanctum of the temple. The real significance of the Ark of the Covenant was what took place on that lid known as the mercy seat. And it was there that the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, this inner sanctum where the Ark was kept, and would atone for sins, for his sins, for the sins of the Israelites. And the priest sprinkled blood of a sacrificed animal onto the mercy seat. And it would appease the, the wrath of God for past sins that were committed. This was the only place in the world where this atonement could take place. The mercy seat on the ark was foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice for all sin, the blood of Christ shed on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And now today, after, after the cross... The Holy Spirit has come to believers. The place where God's presence dwells, the place where God's presence is, where God's presence is attracted to and dwells, is in worship. His eyes are looking for hearts that are fully devoted to Him. John chapter 4 says that the Father is seeking worshipers. 
He's attracted to it. That nothing cultivates the presence of God more than passionate worship and a fully devoted life and heart to Christ. But we get so fixated on earthly things and earthly movements and earthly desires. Like our greediness, our distractions, they pull us away from a life in the presence of God of God and we get so devoted to it like we know what it looks like to have a heart fully devoted to something we see that all the time it consumes our thoughts our life what what the decisions that we make and 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 we just get so devoted to it so passionate about it but last time I checked a political party or movement ain't saved my soul from nothing like I Friend, I don't believe Andy Reid is going to prepare a place for me one day, right? Like, I, I, friend, I don't believe that the lake is the paradise promised to me through the way, the truth, and the life. And I can, of course, enjoy some of those things or recognize the value in some of those things, but if I don't put them in their rightful place, they are a weapon of mass distraction, And there is no better way to silence the enemy than to experience his word, to cultivate his presence. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, so this is like at the beginning, this beginning of the Bible here. And um, they had opportunity for an amazing relationship in the presence of God. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know that, that hymn, I come to the garden alone. and It's just opportunity to, to experience something powerful with God. Um, but they, they didn't do that. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Uh, do you want to hear from God? Be led by God. Read his word. Go to the garden and worship. Tell him what you need. Be specific and cultivate his presence. Like get on your knees before him. We, we see the world differently from our knees. It's two different perspectives. Two completely different. It's amazing the perspective from here standing and here down on my knees. I, I mean, standing up, um, I have all these problems and I have all these needs and I have all these situations and all these circumstances and standing up I even see other people uh, a specific way you know standing up uh, I see the offense that someone uh, ha- has done to me and um, I-, I see that I need to make it right and I need to I, I see them in one way and-, and they even maybe even become an enemy to me and standing up, I see them as an enemy and I see how to interact with them as an enemy. But then I get on my knees before God and I'm praying to him and I say, God, um, uh, I'm going to lunch with this person who's become an enemy and um, I, I want to tell them what's happened and tell them what's done and I'm gonna say these things to them and I open up God's word and I cultivate his presence and from my knees I see uh, that God asks me to bless them. He wants me to go to lunch and bless that person. I see the world differently from my knees. That standing up, I see that I'm gonna go and get back what's been taken from me and then down on my knees, um, I see that, God, you want me to pay for their, their food. I see the world differently 
from my knees. Standing up, I see my wants that have become desires, that have become needs, that have become now the thing that I'm organizing my life off and basing my future on, that I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and standing up, standing up, I need a boat. I need a red boat with pink flames on it. I saw one of those this week and wondered what decisions took place to make that happen. But uh, I, and, and, and nothing against boats here, okay? But uh, that's, that's what I decided I need, is I need uh, a red boat with pink flames, and I need that, and I'm gonna organize my life in such a way that I make that happen. But from my knees, uh, I see a lady in my neighborhood who has cancer and needs a hospital bed in her house. And so from my knees, I organize my life differently. From my knees, I see the world differently. And from my knees, I decide to get a, a red hospital bed with pink flames on it, right? <laughs> like, you know, from standing up, I see that I'm supposed to stand up for things and I'm supposed to be bold and, and I'm supposed to be courageous. But if I don't get on my knees first, I don't know what to stand up and be bold about and be courageous about. And just if I stand up all the time, I may end up standing up for the wrong thing. And from my knees though, I know what I'm supposed to stand up about. I see the world differently from my knees. And God speaks as we read his word, as we cultivate his presence. When's the last time you saw the world from your knees? When's the last time you saw life and your situation from your knees. And God speaks also when Samuel was in the temple. And God speaks, number three, put this up here please, as we get planted in the church. Like devote yourself, dive in. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. Like join us for some of the things that we invite you to uh, frequently here. Join us for Growth Track. Uh, join us in getting connected to a small group. If you want to take another step, uh, you know, we have foundations going on right now. Foundations happening uh, right now next door in the East Worship Center. Uh, that room's filled with uh, people going through the systematic theology and, 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 and studying and what we believe and why we believe it. It also happens Tuesday nights at 7.30, uh, which you're more than invited to. You're welcome and wanted at that. I promise you, you connect to some of these things to say, but God is, God has a direction for me. Psalm 92, 11 through 13 says, my eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. He heard from God because he was in the courts of God. God will start dealing with your life as you're uh, dealing with the people of God. Pour yourself in. I, I just started thinking about my life this week and how many good things have happened to me in the church. I would go as far as to say as the majority of every good thing that's ever happened to me in my life happened in a church. Now, don't get me wrong, I've had some negative things happen too. A friend, there are wounds that I carry and forgiveness that's had to have been given, hard things I've had to dealt with. Uh, it, it's worth it. 
I've just decided I will bear scars for the church. I, I know someone else who's had to bear some scars for the church. And so I will too. But my goodness, so many good things. Like if it weren't for the church, uh, I wouldn't be saved. I got saved in a church. Uh, if it weren't for the church, I would not know why I exist. Like I flat out would not know the purpose of life. I wouldn't know who my creator is, that I could know him. Uh, I wouldn't know that he's preparing a place for me, that he's coming back. Uh, I got baptized in a church. I got discipled and mentored uh, in the church. I got called to ministry in the church. I met people who lift me up, encourage me, pray for me uh, in, in the church. Uh, I, I understand what God's word is. I learned that in the church. Uh, the church has gifted me friendships uh, that are amazing. I met my wife in the church. And I say, God bless the church. And the enemy would love for things to happen that keep me from being planted from his presence. And so I'm making a choice. So many choices of voices today. And I'm choosing, God, help me. By the power of your spirit, be the loudest voice in my life. Be the leading voice. What's your choice? What's the secret? What's the moral of this story? I think it's that maybe God is speaking and I need to get in the right environment to be able to be led by God. Need to be in the right environment to experience the fruit of God's leading. If you want the right fruit, you gotta get, like, bananas don't grow in Alaska. Bananas grow in Jamaica. Did he just say move to Jamaica? I'm moving to Jamaica. That's the word of the Lord at church today. No, here's the point. If you want to sum all this up, here's, here's what it is. If you're taking notes, write this in. It's this. If you want the right fruit, you've got to get in the right environment. Read God's word. Worship. Pour yourself into. Plant yourself in the church. Friend, I've never met anyone who went all in with God who was never reassured by God, who's never led by God. Would you pray with me, please? God, I pray for the church today. Speak them. Grow us. Uh, I pray that uh, we would all just come to a place where we could uh, say these words from Scripture. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God, I pray that you would show us just so clearly uh, what mass distraction may be happening in our life. Help us to cut it out. Help us to uh, limit it. Help us to prepare our hearts. God, we just turn to you today in faith and say you are not withholding your love. You're not withholding your direction. And if there is a delay in hearing from you, a delay is not a denial. And we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening However you want to speak to us, Lord, it may not come in the way that we thought it would, but we're open to you leading our life however you see fit, however you choose. If you feel far from God today, you feel like if, if Christ were to come back right now, you don't, you don't know if you'd go to heaven. Uh, you can make a choice right now. Jesus does not want you to live uh, questioning that, wondering that. You don't have to live in fear of that. 
that you just turn to him and say, Christ Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying for my sin. I heard about mercy today. God, I receive your mercy. And today I surrender my life to you. I choose you as the leading voice in my life. Jesus, be my Lord. I devote my heart to you. God, thank you for setting me free so that I could see who you are and what you've done for me. God, I celebrate the perfect life that you lived. I could not live. That dying in my place on the cross, rising from the dead, giving me life, giving me purpose, giving me a future. God, I'm putting my trust in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.